It's the mom cast. Really, mom? Mommy. Mom. You are listening. Mom cast. The mom cast. All right, I'm going to start mom cast this week with a full disclosure. I have, on several occasions, been called a drag queen. And it's because I wear too much makeup or my hair is ridiculous or whatever the case may be. But I have been referred to as a drag queen. And I hope that does not offend my guest this week. Not at all. Because I, I have been called that more than once. By people. I have two. Funny, well, funny yes, story. But you're supposed to be. I am so excited because this week on our show. All right. You may or may not recognize the name Andrew Levitt. But if I said Nina West, then you probably would. If you live in the Columbus area, Columbus, Ohio, then you would probably know Nina West. And now Nina West has gone national yeah she has <laughs> she's, she's yes she has part of rupaul's drag race and um this is a big season for all of us here in columbus for that show first of all andrew thank you for being thank here. you so much for having me stacy this I'm, is I'm, a really great honor i'm excited, I'm excited. To be here. and we're going to talk about um rupaul's drag race because you're Nina West yeah. is a part of it. But, yeah. but there was a journey to get there. There was. So yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about that first. First of all, let's just start because um, you have been in the Columbus area mm-hmm. for how many years now working at, you are a drag queen. I'm a drag queen, yes. Yeah. So I uh, graduated college. I went to Denison University and I graduated in 2001 and I was going to move to New York uh, in October of 2001 and I graduated in May of 2001. Um, and I had made all of the plans to uh, kind of uproot my life here. My parents live here in Columbus. And um, my goal was to go and be a big, old, bright, shining star on Broadway. Mm. Uh, and then 9-11 happened. And that made me kind of reevaluate and refocus my goals. And I got, I think, a little scared. And I decided to stay here in Columbus. And so that meant that I had to um, kind of reshift and reprioritize the dream. So... Um, staying here in Columbus, I had to really figure out what my opportunities were. And um, I, tr- I auditioned for a lot of local theater, and I just couldn't get a role. And I met uh, my friend Chris, who is Virginia West. And Virginia introduced me to the art of drag and said, hey, I was a theater major too. This is just like performing a, a, a show mm-hmm. uh, or a, you know, a stage show. So come and try drag out. And so that's what I did. And I thought it would just be temporary. I thought it would be... Like, you know, just to pass the time, to appease the creative in me uh, until I could find something else. And lo and behold, now 18 years later, it's just stuck. And my career is bigger than it's ever been. It's nuts. It is. It's crazy. (laughs) But but I do have to say, for those of you that have never seen Nina West, maybe never seen... um, Drag at all, yeah. Yeah, you... To see it is something else because you have a very distinct personality. I mean, obviously, a lot of creativity. <laughs> when I have done a couple of events when you've been there, yeah. um, I did the AIDS walk a few years ago. Yes, that's and right. you that's were right. there. And it, when you walk in or your presence is there, your presence is felt. Let's put it that Thank way. You. It's not just the, the get up. 
Thanks. It's, it's the personality. Thank you. Well, you know, I think I've been nurtured. I'd like to say that I'm kind of a product of Columbus. I think I'm a great amalgamation of what makes Columbus great. And that is um, kind of this entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit, this willingness to collaborate, this creative drive. Um, and something that's distinctly us, uh, this whatever that through line is that mm-hmm. is distinctly us. I don't know how you would define it. It's sometimes hard for all of us to define it. It's like um, just kind of this regular um, Midwestern spirit. We all have such pride in this city. And I feel like um, that has been uh, one of the greatest things that's been given to me. And I've kind of grown and allowed my stage persona to have that and possess that. And so... Uh, when I do those events, it's weird because I, I understand what you're talking about. And it's I'm really lucky to have so much support and love from the city that has allowed me to grow into such a such an entertainer that has the ability to do things like that. You know, like it's, it's I think it's, you cross some lines, too, for people. I mean, people that maybe would not if if there are people and you know what I'm talking I about. Do, I yeah. mean, people that have no experience whatsoever. Yeah. You um, know, with. what a drag queen even is or that community your name and your persona kind of transcend that a little bit well you know i I think a lot of that might be a little bit of of my upbringing right i I was um i grew up in a very conservative family and uh um, supremely political very involved in um politics um, my entire life my my father my father's father his father's father it's just a long tradition Mm -hmm. in our family and so i knew uh, I, I made conscious decisions knowing that I, did, I wanted to make my parents proud. And how could I do that? And I wanted to make sure that I could transcend nightlife and also really uh, allow the character to grow in very different arenas and, 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 and have impact on people that might not otherwise have the exposure to drag or LGBT nightlife or, you know, um, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I've just made a lot of conscious decisions. I've done a lot of like story times, reading to kids. I've done a lot of uh, charity efforts and fundraising, which has opened me up and brought me into a lot of different sure. um, people's lives, you know, from Susan G. Komen to Kaleidoscope Youth Center to uh, AIDS Walk Central Ohio to, uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, let's, you know, it's just, it's been vast. And I think that's also what helps people kind of take that edge off a little bit and makes them a little bit more comfortable because if you put yourself on their on their line and on their terms they can somehow deal with it and comprehend it and take the time to go well wait this is more than what i thought it was and so if you become if i it's been important for me to be very human right and very real and very approachable and that's andrew that's not that's not the character that's very much andrew Mm -hmm. and so how that has impacted the character and how people interact with the character, I think has really been helpful. Yeah, and I can I think it comes through. I mean, I really do. I, I want to take a step back because I'm sure there are people going, this is a different kind of mom cast. It is. Hi, moms. <laughs> it is. And here's why. And, and I asked Andrew about this before we started because I wanted to make sure he was comfortable talking about it. Um, our title is When Your Son Grows Up to Be Nina West. Yeah. Um, I think we as parents, it's important for us. Obviously, we instill beliefs in our children Mm -hmm. and we raise them the very in the very best way we can. Mm -hmm. And often that means what our beliefs are. We start to pass on Mm -hmm. or instill in our children and and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. In fact, not at all. I'm, I'm the daughter of a pastor. 
you said conservative family. We're very conservative, mm-hmm. and um, I'm thankful for my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my dad in particular always pretty open. He he was pretty cool for yeah. being a pastor. Yeah. Which and as I was growing up, that helped a little bit um, as a pastor's kid. But but all of those things we we try to pass on to our kids and and. As they grow, we also, as parents, try to let them be the person they are. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's 12 now, and I find, I, I'm surprised at how easily I find myself wanting to, like, just little things that she chooses. You know, I, you know, Mom, because I tend to be more of a girly girl. Right. Um, lives not so much. She likes to dress down. And I find myself wanting to, well, yeah, we are, but, but wouldn't it be nice if, even, and I know that's a little thing, but I try to, well, what would you like to do and have a conversation about it? And it's not yeah. that big of a deal. And so as parents, I think we struggle with whether it's a little thing or a big thing. Mm-hmm. When our kids make choices or end up doing something or being something that we did not expect mm-hmm. or maybe we don't agree with or maybe we don't understand yet mm-hmm. have no knowledge of it mm-hmm. dealing with that and so i wanted to to yeah. talk with you in particular and and let's go back and you talked about what you wanted to do and yeah. 911 changing i mean did you then turn around and say hey mom and dad oh, uh, you gosh, know what i'm no, going to do no. is i'm going to be a drag queen no. what do you think no no of course not because <laughs> right cuz i mean i'm i don't have kids but i am a kid mm-hmm. you know and, and i am and i'm a child of two loving parents and i'm the product of all of their investment in me. And so, of course, you know, there was in this a difficult conversation because you want to ensure that your parents, my parents are my world. Mm-hmm. So I would never wanted to let them down. My father is the most important person in my life. You know, my mother is, is my is probably my closest friend. Mm-hmm. And so it's you want to be mindful that your parents have this image or this idea of you. Um, I think my parents thought that I would grow up um become a lawyer, uh, go into politics and, um, you know, kind of change the world in that regard. Right. You know, fight law and and um, and represent a conservative through line and be married, have a white picket fence, two and a half sure. kids, a dog running in the yard, you know, live right down the block from them. <laughs> you know, so have you this pretty idea. much fulfilled that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, in a way. Um, <laughs> but but I, no, you're right. I, and, and they have that in their head. So, right? so And so I think, you know, one of the things I remember hearing when I was coming out to my parents first. So when you're gay, you have a, a variety of roads to take. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to first come out to your parents that you're that you're gay or queer or uh, gender non-binary, whatever it is, right? Those, mm-hmm. those are, that's its own right, that conversation. Could be a, right. that's, a, that, that's its own episode. Um, but um, So you have to come out to your parents, and that, that conversation alone is very difficult. So whether or not the parents know, you also have to allow your child to come to terms with the fact of their identity and mm-hmm. who they are. Um, and then I remember coming out to my parents um, in college. It was my sophomore year. But I knew I was gay in high school. So I kind of kept that from them. I was protecting them, but I was also doing a disservice to myself because I was really kind of lying to myself that they couldn't handle it. But when you, I, one of the things I heard was it takes your parents as long as it takes you to, to come out. So it took me 17, 18 years to come to terms with who I was. And so I was, so you were like, well, it will take your parents about 17 or 18 years to come to terms with who you are. Wow. Um, so that's, I don't know if that's true or not. 
But that's something that had always stuck in the back of my head. So I was like, well, gosh. So I came out to them. Then I did this whole road of drag and I started drag. And I, I think part of me was so ashamed of being a drag queen. And then the other part of me was like, well, I don't want my parents to be ashamed that their son is a drag queen. So um, I waited until 2012 to tell my parents. And I told them right before the holidays. And I just said, I have to tell you this. Like, this is this. And I had already been doing drag for 11 years, 10 years. And they never knew? And they never knew. And they live here in Columbus. And that's the greatest shame of my life is that I didn't trust my parents enough to tell them that I was, that I had this whole other life and had a very successful career as an entertainer, traveling the country, um, having national pageant titles, uh, meeting all these incredibly influential people in the arts and in politics and in um, all these different arenas. And it was just, I never opened them up to that side of my world. So there was this huge wall up Mm -hmm. that I wasn't giving to them. Partially because I don't, you know, they were showing me signs that they were unable to like come to the table and have conversations not only about me being gay, but then I turned it into, well, they probably can't have a conversation about me doing drag <laughs> and, right, and understanding what right. that means, right? Mm-hmm. So one of those important things that you have to separate first is when your child is gay and you're, then you have to come out again and tell them that you're a drag queen, then you have to kind of understand and explain to them what that means, right? Me, I'm a presenting man. I'm a big dude, as you can tell. <laughs> I'm a big old man. But, um, you know, the conversation I think my parents had was, does Andrew want to be a woman? Does Andrew want to transition? And that's those two things do not go hand in hand. Someone's, someone's gender identity is very different from being a sure. stage performer. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a difficult conversation because it's hard for people to wrap their head around. Um, so I had to have that conversation and we had to come to terms with what it meant for me to dress up in drag and what that meant, like what the cultural significance was to me mm-hmm. as a subcultural gay art form and what it meant to them as people not a part of the community who see this as some kind of freakish um, form of entertainment. Right, right. So, um, so it's a lot of conversation. A lot of tears, a lot of arguing, but that was the- What did they say at first? I mean, were they, you mentioned arguing in tears. I'm assuming it wasn't- Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, you want an easy fix, right? You're, you mm-hmm. rip off that bandaid and you want everyone to be like, okay, I get it. I understand. Um, but it just isn't that simple. So those, you know, I remember, I remember my, my mom saying, I don't understand. Which is such a really big, that is a really big aha breakthrough moment. Mm-hmm. I think Oprah calls it an aha moment. I'm, right. a, I'm a child of Oprah. I love Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I yeah, do too. I love yeah. her. But I think that's like an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And when someone tells you they don't understand, that's a really big entryway into allowing conversation to take place. And I think that's everything that you really need to do to f- facilitate a healthy relationship with your child is allowing conversation. Um, so my mom said, I don't understand. And I took that as an opportunity to try to explain and where that would go would be, you know, we would continue to have disagreements or lack of understanding, but then the conversation would continue. Of course, this is something that happened over several years. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out, right, because it's your parents, the investment is there and it's very real. So you, I want to ensure that I don't lose my relationship with my parents. They want to ensure that they don't lose that relationship with me. So at least so they the, didn't say, you know, the relationship is over because of this. No, no, it was never. No, that's no, that isn't. No, 
that uh, that is not my parents that Mm -hmm. is not who they are as people but it was not easy right so you have as a parent of a gay child you have you have to understand that you're the reality of what you saw and the reality of what will be are very are two very different things you could still have the white picket fence your child could still have that but it's going to be with somebody who might be of the same gender so that makes it so like and so parents have a hard time everyone thinks of their it's like a social media right you have a very picture perfect life Mm -hmm. on social media so your instagram is perfect your your facebook is perfect you're only putting out the good stuff right you're only seeing the good stuff and that's how we kind of self-edit our lives you know and that's how we want to see our lives and specifically if you have children that's how you want to see their lives and it's hard to filter through all of that beautiful picture to see some of those really difficult moments that are going to come up my child i wanted my kid to go to school for to be a doctor mm-hmm. and my child wants to go to school and become a a, a, a gaming designer that's not at all what I saw. My kid wants to move to San Francisco and not live here in Columbus. Or, And those are those moments that families have to sit back and go, okay, well, is this a, is this a dangerous decision for my child? Is this an unhealthy decision for me? And I think mostly all these, and some of these things are not decisions, right? So right. like when it's, when it's a child's um, sexual identity or gender identity, I firmly believe that it's not a choice and you just kind of fall into who you are as you mature, right? And or you hit that that age, right, where your where your body Did is your telling you. Did your parents believe that? I mean, do you think your parents <clears throat> believe that? Did they try? Was there a moment where they said, "Well, now wait a minute, oh, you I can." Mean, yeah. So when it comes to when it comes when it came to coming out, I remember I was in high school and I didn't come out to my parents and tell them that I was gay until my sophomore year of college. But I remember in high school, I knew my parents were figuring it out. And I went and they had me go to see, to see a counselor. Oh, okay. And so that was like, so I think they were thinking I was going to be able to talk through, like talk the gay away, which was just kind, which is not how that works. <laughs> you, you can't just talk through it. And I had luckily gone to the, the therapist that they had me go to happened to be someone who was gay. And in, he, I remember him looking at me. I went to two sessions and at the end of the second session, I remember him looking at me and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. This is who you are. You can't change that. And he's, he said, you're going to have more pain and more hurt by trying to be something you're not. And that's going to hurt your family more. And that was really impactful to me. That was a moment that I had to like step back and go, right. Like what, and, he, and he said, whatever's healthy for you to tell them on your terms is what's healthy for you. It's not a, you're not on your mom's timeline. You're not on your, your dad's timeline. You're on your timeline. And, mm-hmm. and that timeline sometimes is painful because everyone kind of knows what subject you're dancing around, but you can't, you cannot force this conversation until you're ready. And that's hard as a, I think to hear that as a parent, I can't imagine what that would be like to hear that as a parent because you want to, again, you want to rip off the bandaid and you want everything to be okay. You want to make it all right as soon as you can. And so that became my thing. I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready. And I went to, I, I became ready in a very unconventional way that I think is a, 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 is a common thing for gay people. I went to college and I was bullied and I was harassed and oh. it, was, it was horrific. And I needed my parents and I needed, to, I needed my mom and dad. And so the choice was made I, for me. I couldn't make the choice. I still wasn't ready, but I still had to tell my parents that I was gay. So 
my my hands were tied and I had to tell them. So that was, you know, but that's that that's my story and I'm, I don't regret it. But mm-hmm. it's still right. The way that I came out to them is not the way I wanted to come out to them. Now, I'm assuming you said this is it was tough. Is it still a journey? I mean, does a parent do you do you think your parents um, say, you know what? this is right and maybe what we thought before was wrong or has there been an agreement to disagree? I mean, where, where do you think it, it kind of got to the point where it's, it's good with you all and you can, well, see, I think that's the, that's the beauty of it is that I, I, they, they are adults and I am now an adult. I mean, and so, um, I am allowed to have my own life and I am, and they've given me that permission to have my own life. And, you know, there have been times where I've even said to them in difficult and in difficult tones, you know, I want you to be a part of my life, but I won't do this in this in this way or this regard to make you more comfortable. And I think that's okay for a child to say to a parent, you know, and that's difficult. And and conversely, my parents have said that this is not comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. So understand why this isn't comfortable. Great. You know, but, but you know, when you're when you have a gay child who happens to be a drag queen. <laughs> um, you, everything is an adjustment. Any, any, any parent of a, a gay child can probably tell you this. Um, the first time you bring somebody home, that's difficult because mm-hmm. it's, it's, the fir- it's in your face now. Not only, sure. not only do you say, I'm gay, and you have that conversation, then you have the next conversation of, I'm going to bring this person home. So then you have to, some mom and dad and siblings have to go, Right. Not only do we know he's gay, now we see that he who he is mm-hmm. in lo- who he is partnering with and who he's in love with, and the the physical the visible presence of gay is there. So that's another. It's like okay, well, he's not going to bring a girl home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. No, no. It's like a further step in the process of mm-hmm. the coming out, and that can be difficult for families as well. So it's it's just that further progression of identity. So where would you say you are? I mean, is it, can can people, I I guess that's my point, because I think there are some, some things, if you have a firm belief about something, it may not change, but that doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with someone. Do you know what I mean? Or where where are you I think when it comes to your kids, I think that firm belief has to, uh, I think it has to erode away. I, I just don't think it's fair to hold your child to a standard that is not that is on you that is not able to be achieved mm-hmm. um because that is you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting yourself up for heartbreak and you're setting yourself up for possible lack of involvement in your child's life mm-hmm. i mean those are those those are very real conversations that any any queer person can tell you like at a certain point being yourself and being happy if if I'm not hurting anyone else and I just am like like on the search for happiness, why is it so difficult for anybody who cares, who loves me, to not put that first, and 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 be able to separate this idea that you have versus the reality of who you know, and that's a big, I think that's a big moment, the the rea- like the reality of the person that you love versus this idea mm-hmm. of who you love. Mm-hmm. Because the person that you love is not any different from the time that you held them in your arms to the time that they come home for the holiday. They're, it's still intrinsically the same makeup. You've, and you've given them all of the skills to go out and conquer the world happy, successful, you know, and, and, and health, in a healthy manner, hopefully. Right. Mm-hmm. But we all make these decisions throughout our life 
the, our lives that makes us better people or worse, right? I mean, right. You, yeah, I mean, but that has nothing to do with the, the ideal of who the child is at their core. Well, it's interesting to hear you you say that because I I feel like we have seen great change in our country, mm-hmm. and I I know there are many families who are have changed their reactions, yeah. um, changed what love is, yeah. um, all of those things, and and I guess I think it's important for people to know that it. Sometimes it is a, it's a journey and it's a difficult one. It's not, yeah, it's the journey that you go on uh, with someone who is different in any way. Any way, yes. In any way um, can be um, extremely challenging because we live in a world where we're holding ourselves to a standard of what our neighbors think and what are, what do my friends think and what do, you know, what, what are my, what are my parents going to think if, if, if Tommy's gay, my son Tommy is gay, what are my parents going to think? What's that reflection of on about me? What's that say about me? Mm. You know, we, yeah. we, yeah, we, we right. have so much of that. What's mm-hmm. that say about me? Right. When in turn, it's so difficult already for a, for a, a child to say, to step up to their parents and say, you know what? I think I might be. And, and that's the whole parent's whole world can come crumbling down in that moment. But that parent has to has to muster the strength to be strong enough to say, "Let's sit down and talk about this." What do, what are you what are you feeling? What are you thinking? Um, let's and not try to talk them out of it. Just listen to them to hear where they might be coming from, and that's difficult. But I do think, yeah, the, is the world more accepting and and um, yeah, that's an interesting. What do you think about that? Do you think it is? Um, because it's easy for me to step out here and say, oh, I think the world's a lot more accepting. Well, you know, I mean, the reality is the reality is very different. Right. So we live in a world where when I, from when I grew up to where I am now as a as a 40 year old gay man and as a 10 year old who didn't know mm-hmm. the world is very different. Um, there have been huge strides. Like within the community for LGBTQIA rights, there's been a ton of movement in that regard. Um, but it's difficult when you feel like the the rhetoric sometimes within our country can be dangerous and divisive, and people just want to be. I I have nothing. I have, don't want to do anything to complicate somebody else's life other than be happy, pursue what I want to do, which are my dreams. Like which I should have the right to do living in this living in this beautiful country, I should be able to pursue my dreams. And intrinsically, people don't want me to have success because of who I am mm-hmm. and what I represent to them, rather than what I what I do for myself and for my family. You know, I don't. I'm right. You know, like, and that's difficult. Um, and the and we live in a world where the right now where politics are very personal. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we could go back to <laughs> trying to build bridges and try to under, come to conversate come to the table right. having conversations and try to understand one another rather than uh see me at my at, at the superficial a big man in a dress and a wig and saying <laughs> that I'm that I'm the problem with what's going on in the country today because of what what I represent to somebody who doesn't understand me well and I I I enjoy your perspective on that because, and I appreciate it because, as I said, it's a world that 
for as long as I've been around and in the community, mm-hmm. I know you, but it's mm-hmm. not a world I'm like intimately oh, yeah. familiar with. Yeah, you know, and and, I, and so I I do here here are your choices. I always say this to people, whether it's their child or friend, uh, friends of mine mm-hmm. that, you know, situations have come up where there's been a difficult conversation mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, any reason. Your choices are, I think we all have to face this. Here are your choices, your responses. Yeah. Um, when it comes right down yeah. to it, you can be angry and say, well, they're not the person I thought they were, um, so forget about it. If it's a child or a family member, there are people that have done that. I don't know how you do it, but there are people that have done it. Or you can say, let's have a conversation I want this person in my life. I love this person. And so let's have a conversation and find a way to work it out and find the common ground and all of those things. And there are people that make very different decisions within that window. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think it's important to, I think it's really important to say as someone who is on, on, on the other side of the conversation with, with a parent, is that it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be upset and it's okay to be mad and frustrated. But at some point you cannot live in that space because you will potentially push the person away. So you can, you can say it's, but I also want to provide room and, uh, and, and uh, air for a parent who's, who probably is saying, this is my fault. I did this. You did nothing. Parents are not to blame. You know, like this is being, and you're because you're intrinsically saying, if a parent says, I'm, I'm to blame for my child being gay, then you're saying there's something wrong with your child. And there's nothing wrong with your child. And you know that, right? Any, any parent should know that. Your child is beautiful and the person that they're supposed to be. You know, and you brought them into this world and you've nurtured them to this point and you've provided them, hopefully, a, a healthy environment to, to flourish and thrive in and grow up in to figure out who they are. And that's, and that's, that's on the most basic level of, I'm going to find out that I really love geography or I'm going to find out that I really hate math. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. On that right. very basic level. Right. And if your kid hates math, you don't say, okay, well, you don't do math. We're going we're gonna to work through math together. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit down and we're going to get through these problems together. You don't get algebra? Okay, well, I'm going to sit here at the dinner table with you at night when you come home from school and we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. See, we can get you through it. And you, you, know, know, you don't just you don't just shut the door on math. Right. You have to take math. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like math is over. You're not good at math. Right. No math for right. you. You do that. I mean, yeah, maybe once you're done. <laughs> like, I haven't done math in years, just and, to be fair. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and maybe there's no answer to this. But you know what you just said, that there's nothing wrong with your child. Mm-hmm. There are people that don't agree. Well, so no, of course. Of what course. In, in, in your experience, for you... What do you do at that point? I mean, is as that a just just as you? Because okay, you know, so, there are people. Can you find? Can you have a relationship? Can you find common ground with people that don't believe the way you believe? Is that a possibility? I mean, I How think, do you deal with it? There's like that's like that's loaded. <laughs> that's a <laughs> um, because I I this is. Hmm. First of all, as um, most people in the gay community are very familiar with this through line and this conversation, a lot of people in the gay community have had their parents kick them out. Have yeah. had the door. Have these kids have uh, a lot of there. There's a, a problem with um, a lot of kids who are homeless on the street are most likely LGBTQIA. 
um, who are not taken care of, who are um, who are thrown to the streets and then are left to fend for themselves and fall into very different decisions than I would hope for my child if I had kids. Like I would want my kid to. These are all things. These are all real, very real, right. like everyday issues because people don't know how to handle their child being queer. Right. Um, but hopefully if they can find their way to, uh, to people who are, um, intelligent and compassionate, we Mm -hmm. as a gay community really do kind of protect our own. Right. And we do, you do kind of form as a gay person, you have the ability to form your own families and your own network and your own tribe. And we all, and you're, you know, and we get to choose who our families are. You know, right. if right. so, if we're kicked out, I can find someone who's going to say, you know, what, you are OK. And I can find someone who's going to embrace me and love me and lift me up to try to find some kind of level of success that I was hoping for initially. Right. How do you my initial approach to someone who would be would be so dismissive of their child is I feel bad for them. And that's. And that I think pity is the most. I think that's the worst. Ha- having pity for someone else, I think, is shows up that that's the worst feeling. And then I, I think it's the most arrogant feeling. I just don't think I don't think it's appropriate to have pity. I mean, just to, I just to sympathize. Yes, I don't to be someone who pities someone else because is I think I I don't want to feel like that. Mm-hmm. But I understand makes, what you're saying. Do you know saying. what I mean? Like no, I don't. I do. I don't I oh, I feel, oh, I feel bad for you. Right. Like that's. Right. I think that's a a gross statement. Mm-hmm. But right. when someone kicks out their child or shuts their life off from their child and basically says they don't exist or they refuse to come to terms with whatever is going on within themselves to talk to their child, I feel bad for them right. because they're losing out on they're losing out on their child's life. And I don't think you bring a child into this world. You, everything comes with everything comes with its own difficulties. Sure, a new car <laughs> comes with its own difficulties, right? You right. have to you have to provide the upkeep for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, a kid is not a car. A kid is um, a, a living, moving creature with thoughts and emotions and um, fears and anxieties and uh, dreams. You know, and I. I don't think my parents ever, I think for my parents and my family, it was the first understanding was I wanted to go be on Broadway. That was a dream. And I was like seven years old mm-hmm. and they didn't want me to do that. So they had to come to terms with that conversation and that dream. And then, you know, it evolved, right? Mm-hmm. I was a theater major in college. They didn't want me to be a theater major in college. They wanted me to be like an English major, then go to go on to graduate school. and. Mm-hmm. The conversation always slightly adjusted to what would, you know, you could be a professor. I would be really good at teaching, but that's not what I want to do, you know? And my teaching is happens to come in a different, in a different foray, in a different arena. So I'm, I feel like I'm educating people on a very different level. So again, it's the conversation of not one. I just don't understand how someone wants to lose something that's so precious. You know, and my my relationship with my parents is so precious, and we're all only here for so much time. So I don't my who I love shouldn't challenge 
my love for my mom or my dad or my sisters. It should that should, I understand it does question how we operate, but it, there should never be a question of my 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 love for my family. They're not they're they do not they are do that they they don't they don't coexist. You know what I mean? It's it's not like they can coexist. It's not one thing or the other. Right. Does that make sense? They're not it's exclusive. Like, they're not exclusive. Correct. Yes. Yeah. They're not exclusive. So, yeah. I don't know. No, that's, <laughs> that's really good. That's really good. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. And again, I don't, I don't have Well, kids. none of us do. None you know of what us I mean? do. You know, if, we yeah, did, and if we this did, would be boy, this would be a, a much podcast. easier world, wouldn't it? <laughs> if we had all, if I could yeah. just say we have all the answers for this really complicated problem and every other one out there, yeah. because this is just one you know, it would be a different world, but we don't. And that's why we have to find our way and find solutions. We as people. And, and I believe we have the ability yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, but we also have to have the desire to do it. That's too, right. So. I mean, like if you were to sit back and think about what you wanted to be as a child and put yourself in that position of your kid and your, and your, your daughter, your son, and, and you know that your dreams always shift and always adjust with wherever you're at in life. You know, like maybe maybe you weren't ever expecting to get pregnant. And then, wait, I'm all of a sudden I'm pregnant. And then my dream has changed. And I want and I want to have a child. That maybe that wasn't your plan mm-hmm. or it wasn't your plan in that moment. But the dream shifts. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. you put in put the dream in perspective and and allow one dream to be accomplished or to be deferred for other dreams to grow and flourish. All right. So we got, I guess, the tough stuff out, Andrew, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Now we're going to talk about you did fulfill your dream, yeah, which one is of them. exciting. Yeah. You, yeah. you have had the opportunity to to do this now here in Columbus for a very long time. Yeah. Nina West, I think you would, if, if you say Nina West, that everybody... There, most people know Nina West. Let's put it that way. I was going to say even people that aren't so part of that community, but <laughs> so weird. yes, but but that's a cool thing, and you do so much charity work and all yeah. of that. But yeah. we want to talk about Nina. How long here in Columbus? Well, now? I've been here for eighteen years. I've got to say, you know, I'm going back to our previous conversation. I have to say, like, how are things now with my family? My mom will call me with ideas for shows or for numbers <laughs> or show reference, show reference. She watches like uh, TMC religiously and she'll, she'll like, she'll reference um, uh, an old Hollywood star and be like, yo, you should work some of that into your act or try that or think about that's this. Awesome, it's, yeah. it's amazing, right? So um, so that's where conversation can get you. Right, um, see, working it yeah, out. Yeah, working yeah. it out. Coming and, to and, some agreement. Uh, terms, yeah. Right, terms. That's a comfort. good, that's a, coming to terms. Yeah. That is a, a really good phrase. So, so mom years, is helping yeah. you out. Mom, <laughs> she's got she's ideas for me. the show. She's calling me, yeah. Um, but obviously a an outlet for your creativity, mm-hmm. 18 years, mm-hmm. um, amazing. Yeah, I mean, what started that's out, longevity, right? It's Yeah, especially in this world of drag. Drag is uh, really a young art form. And it's, um, it's primarily, you know, 20... 21 to 30 year olds who are primarily running the show, right? And mm-hmm. I happen to be wow. <laughs> older. I mean, I'm not old, but right, I'm in the world of right. drag, I am in the world of drag, I'm just more established. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this whole world started out, I just did it for fun to have a creative outlet and to perform and get on stage just to bide my time to find another opportunity 
to do theater or get a job in the theater. Um, and it just kind of kept getting bigger um, to the point where in last year, a year ago, I quit my job and I was doing drag full time. Wow. Yeah. Which I was really doing drag full time anyway. Right. Um, but I was just so afraid instilled in me from my parents was at some point the other shoe's going to drop. You've mm-hmm. got to have a backup plan. You've mm-hmm. got to make sure that, you know, you're taken care of. What are you going to do for retirement? You can't like all, right. All those conversations that you have with your kids. Sure. Well, I was, I was like way in my head. Um, and I just trusted myself and said, I can make this work. I can make the money. I can save the money. I can invest. I can take care of myself and I can grow this business. And it, yeah, it's crazy. Well, that is amazing. I mean, to be in it for that long, and then now, just now, and, and I well, but I was going to say, now that you're doing that, it yeah. has, yeah, gotten even bigger. Yeah, I said, you know what I did is I stopped making excuses and accommodations for what I wanted to do in the first place, and when I opened myself up to saying yes, you know, Shonda Rhimes had had a book about that a couple of years ago, you know, uh, saying yes, mm-hmm. and. I just said yes, and the universe provided. You know, my I am busier than I've ever been. Um, drag race, I opened the I opened the door to saying yes, and I quit my job. And then, uh, not I'm not joking. Two days later, I got a phone call saying that I was cast on the show, and that was like, I mean, it was it was just weird. I opened myself up to the universe, and it all started to happen. So tell us a little bit, for those that have never seen it, uh, tell us a little bit about the show. Yeah. So RuPaul's Drag Race is now in its 11th season. It's a reality competition show where drag queens from all over the country uh, come together and they compete in a variety of challenges. Um, So you start off the day usually with a mini challenge that might be something ridiculous and funny or fun, um, having to do quick drag and act out something ridiculous and then you would do a maxi challenge which could be acting could be sewing could be um dancing comedy what have you and then you do a runway and so it's very it's like amalgamation of like project runway (laughs) american (laughs) idol right um uh, yeah uh, survivor like kind of all (laughs) in its own little world yeah and then it um it has kind of evolved into this. It's very own brand, right? It's very own stamp of reality TV. But it really felt initially, I think, when its first few seasons, like maybe a lot like Project Runway and American Idol mm-hmm. coming to one. Now it's like this. It's, it, Drag Race has its own kind of vibe. And right, right. Now I know you can't um, really. <laughs> no spoilers. This is where yeah we can't we gotta we can't spoil anything. So did you win? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, being on the, look, look. Let me tell you this. The world, the access that the show provides and the platform that the show gives you just by being on the show. You've already won. I've already won. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, like I'm, sure. I'm meeting people that I've only dreamt of ever meeting. Um, I'm hoping that the opportunities just explode from here. Mm-hmm. You know, and the dreams keep coming, right? The dream Well, now changes. the whole show is taped already? Yeah. Is that correct? So you well, already... Well, we have to tape the... We have to tape the reunion. We have to do a reunion oh, okay. episode. And okay. then a top four... We, the winner's crowned. We haven't done that yet. Okay. Okay. Um, but we do know <laughs> you've gone fairly far. How would you know? Well, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you do, what do you mean, Stacey? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to, you're trying we were, to, spoilers. <laughs> you're trying to get me. No, we're, what show are we on? You're, oh, okay. So yeah, we are you, on episode four. So coming this Thursday will be episode four. Okay. 
and mm. it will be very exciting. Okay, very exciting. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Episode four of say. twelve. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So um, we can't talk too much about it, except where can they find this if they've never watched it? Okay, so Drag Race is on <laughs> VH1 Friday nights at nine p.m. Uh-huh. Um, and or you can get it on. Um, I think um, you can get it on iTunes or maybe. There are a couple streaming platforms that you can find it on. I VH1, 9 p.m. Okay. Fridays. Right. <laughs> and so how did you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, people keep asking you this. No, we get no, it completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get yeah. it. It's hard to when no, look, with I, the reality uh, shows I get it. It's really I hard. I will tell you, you know, uh, unlike unlike American Idol, we shot the majority of this oh, right. la- nine months ago. Okay. So by the time the season finale airs, it will be, have been a full year wow. since we shot it. Is it hard to? Of course. And not so tell? I came home yeah. after shooting it, and everyone, I tried to say that I was had foot surgery, and no one believed me. Everyone right. knew where I was. But of course, at a certain point, you just become a little numb to answering, like to just be like, oh, yeah, whatever. You just kind of go on repeat. And then I began, especially like over. October, November, right around highball, it became it got really fevered again for some reason. I was just like, I just started to become a lot more uh, <laughs> closed off. I was like, okay, well, I can't. I'm just gonna go do this show. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave immediately, just so I don't have to talk to people or engage because it's gonna get. I'm gonna get caught up, and I'm gonna probably say something I shouldn't. It's like the say. masked singer. Yeah, almost, yeah. So weird, right? right? Yeah, that is you. So weird. You just have to keep it a secret. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, talk to me. Like, they had to yeah. wear these signs that said, yeah. "Do not talk to me." Yeah, it so, was just. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's tough, and that does that plays <laughs> a number on you. I mean, like it does right. a number on you. Yeah. Well, we I guess what we'll say is we wish you the best of thank luck. You. Thanks. We can't wait to see how you did. But more thank importantly, you. Um, thank you for sharing with us because yeah. this is something different for Momcast and I think it's a conversation um that we needed to have. You know, I don't I don't think any yeah, I think it's a really important conversation and I don't think any child goes out saying, I really want to stick it to my parents. So I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think that happens and when sure. your kid is growing up, <laughs> right? We've all I rebelled. Mm-hmm. Um but being being who I am is not rebelling. You know, being intrinsically myself is not a, it's not me uh throwing my arms up at my parents and saying, "Haha, sure. deal with it." It's very much your child just wants to be loved. And that's the most important thing. I hope people can step away from this remembering is your kid just wants to be loved. At the end of the day, they just want to be held and loved and know that they're going to be okay. And that the, probably the most important people in their life, their, their mom, their dad, their moms, their dads are going to love them regardless. Andrew, thank you thank for you. being on MomCast no, thanks and being for having me. willing to be open Thank you and, for having and me. talk. Yeah. And Nina, thank yeah. you for being here too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, girl. <laughs> she says thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week on MomCast. Hopefully, you know, some things to just think about um, as we think about our kids and growing up and, and our hopes and dreams for them, um, looking within ourselves. We'd love to hear from you, and I hope you have a great week. Enjoy the springtime weather that hopefully will be coming our way.